0: This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by Retro Retro Game Game Treasure.
1: Retro Game Treasure is an amazing monthly subscription service. They send you custom tailored boxes straight to your door from the video games that you love. You go on there, you have a wish list, you have your console of choice. They'll send you games from an assortment of consoles like NES, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Sega CD, Sega Dreamcast, Sega Game Gear, Game Boy Color, Xbox, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, GameCube, and many
0: more. Now announcing they are delivering straight to you Nintendo DS games and PSP games. What did the listeners of the Happy Hour get, Deuce? Put it in Happy
1: Hour in the promo box and you'll get $2 off your order. Remember, with Retro Game Treasure, you get classic video games delivered every month. Go to RetroGameTreasure.com. Pick your consoles, set your preferences, and add to your wish list. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with with Johnny and Deuce sent you. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by the One Stop Guild
0: Shop. Man, if you're looking for a good time, you want to check out the One Stop Guild Shop. You can check them out at onestopguildshop.com, facebook.com forward slash onestopguildshop, and Instagram at onestopguildshopflorida. Ask yourself, what is One Stop Guild Shop? I'll tell you what it is. It's a pop-up D&D experience, and all you need is you. They provide everything you need. They get the characters They've got the scenario. It's a hit it and quit it. It's a one-night, all-time fun D&D experience. You can check them out. You can book them for private parties and events. Just hit them up on social media. You got a favorite shop, a bar, or just an awesome venue in general? Why don't you let them know? And then they could pop up there, and you could have a great time. Check them out at One Stop Guild Shop.
1: Happy hour with Johnny and Deuce in Hello internet, yeah we back in the back. I know you had alone. long day, but let's inject.
0: Sit back, relax and have some cold beer. Gotta pay a few bills, yeah we're all clear and it's loose on the loose. You know the tag team champion, we get the biggest pop when we hit the ramp. The outlaws of the new age. And we still got love for the retro waves, you know. Nintendo, Sega Genesis, so many systems, your dreamcasts and reminisce so pull back the curtain and hit the boot cause it's the Happy Hour Podcast with Johnny and Deuce, yeah.
1: The Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce presents, A Year in Gaming. 1993. Welcome back, happy hour listeners, to our very special video game retrospective series. We want to give you a big shout-out. Thank you so much for listening. The feedback has been amazing. We've loved, we've heard all the feedback. We've loved all the comments. We have a great time doing these, Deuce. We do. These are awesome. Uh, little little retrospectives. We kind of get to hit the gamut of what's, you know, popular for that year in gaming. And yeah. some systems and companies are introduced in that year as well. Yeah. And this year... Uh, We're doing 1993. We are doing 1993. Yes. So Deuce, 1993. You and I were 12 years old. Oh wow. Just think about that for a second. We were the ripe. (laughs) That's a really good age, age, though. 12. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good age. 12 is great because you can understand a lot of things. Your mental, physical. You can read. read. Your physical dexterity is improved. Uh, Your mental acuity, if you will, uh, is definitely maxed. And school hasn't gotten super hard yet, so you can still have fun. Exactly. So it's it, especially during the summertime. Yeah, yeah, You have a really great time, and of course, arcades were still popular as ever. Oh yeah, I uh, we, They were still yep. booming. So before we get into the home console stuff, let's let's talk about uh, a little game that came out. June 25th called Mortal Kombat 2 in the arcades. Wow. That was game
0: changer right there. It was.
1: It, I mean, that was when they, inter- they introduced like uh, you could get... Couldn't you get Reptile? I think it was in that. You get Reptile. Um, and they had, Baraka, Baraka got was added. In, yep. And Malina? Malina, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I think a lot of the girls
0: were added because yep. the only girl in the first game if I remember Sonya. correctly was Sonya. Yep. And they added like two or three girls in the second one.
1: Yeah, it felt more like a... I don't know. I felt bigger than the
0: last game. It felt way bigger, and it felt like they improved upon everything. Because Mortal Kombat One was amazing, but you could tell it was almost like a proof of concept. Sure, yeah. like this is our idea. And then once, I mean, Mortal Kombat exploded. It was a a machine. Like it just ran over people. So then, when two came out, it was way bigger and way better. And it it's also for me a litmus test. Like when sure, we go to yeah. Free Play, Florida or any other gaming convention or if I go to a video game bar, if they don't have Mortal Kombat Two, that that's one of two to three games to me that are like if you don't have these one, two, or three of these different titles on my little checklist, you're not really a gaming convention or you're not really a gaming bar.
1: It's like a must.
0: It's yeah. like a must. Yeah. And and of course our good friends at Free Play Florida don't have to worry about it or our good friends at player one because they both have it in right. stock.
1: Definitely. Uh, It's also the. It was almost. It was like the year that all the competing companies, uh, SNK, Namco, Sega, they all released their major like hit uh, games for the arcade. Namco released Ridge Racer. Ridge Racer was awesome. That was a great game. Uh, And also Sega, to combat that, they released Daytona USA. Another, Another classic, really,
0: really good one.
1: And then, of course, uh, Sega released Virtua Fighter, which pretty much laid the foundation for 3D fighters. I mean, oh yeah, insane! Like that I- game was nuts because when you first saw it in an arcade, you had never seen a 3D nope. fighter
0: before, so it blew your mind. And I. I hate to say it, I hate to knock the game. The fighters all pretty much fight the same. They do. They're very I, similar. They're very very similar. Yeah. It's not like Mortal Kombat where each fighter has a completely different style and a bunch of different special moves. Like it's not even remotely kind of close to that, but it was it was like, "Hey, we can do a 3D fighting game." And I'm like, "Wow, like what? I never thought thought we could do that."
1: Also the music too because the, you know, the 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 way you were able to process music and sound and yeah. stuff is, you know, so virtual fighter sounded really cool when you hit somebody. Like the contact of punching somebody, and kicking somebody, yeah, you had that whack. The effects, the yeah, whack, whack, whack. yeah, it sounded really cool. Um, and then just just people's reactions when they got hit. Like the characters would make grunts and like oh, sound yeah. and stuff like that. Really great, man. I, this might be the best. I mean, we obviously we're doing this retrospective. and We'll be going down f- till I don't know how long. We'll probably get to 2005 or whatever. Whatever well, you folks at home want, we'll yeah, go.
0: Yeah, actually, let's let's do that right now, guys. On Twitter, we're at HHPodcastShow. Podcast Show, and on uh, 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 email, we're at HHPodcastShow Podcast Show at gmail dot com. Send us your emails and, and tell us, hey, this is what we'd like to do. Because in in, in my heart of hearts, my theory is we go 90 to 2000 then go to 2000 to 2010 and then go in the way way back machine and do 80 to 90.
1: That, the only, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah.
0: Just because the 2000 games are like when we were in high school and college. Sure. And plus for our younger listeners a lot of those might have been their first games and first their game first systems. systems it's true. And when we throw it back to the 80s even though me and you were kids of the 80s and love the 80s some of our audience weren't even born in the right. 80s so. Sure.
1: Well, it's funny because like I said earlier that this is probably one of the most influential year for the arcades because you know not only did you get rich racer virtual fighter mortal kombat 2 midway released nba jam that year dude holy crap that's nuts man yeah so what that, a year for arcades for,
0: oh arca- if you were an arcade b- uh, owner uh there is that gif uh from archer where uh Oh, goodness, I can't remember the doctor's name. But anyways, he goes, uh, my penis can only get so erect. (laughs) So it's kind of like that if you're an arcade owner. Like, look, I can only get so erect over here because we've got so many amazing games.
1: I mean, what a year for arcades. Oh, I mean, mean, those alone people that own, you know, uh, people that own Bowling alleys, people that own like these... People that owned uh, laundry mats and bowling alleys and restaurants and showbiz pizzas and oh man, I haven't thought about showbiz pizza in forever. Uh you and know, a like a rock and fire band. Yep, that's true. Uh they you know, they were looking out for the hottest stuff to keep their quarters, you know, people popping them quarters in and dude mm. I lost so many quarters in the NBA Jam. That game was so much fun. Because here's the
0: thing. You had to pay fifty cents, was it a quarter or
1: half? Half,
0: yeah. Okay. Every half, you had to put yep. in another 50 cents. To play a whole game, you had to pay a dollar.
1: Right. So, they, you know, they, it was really smart, and it was a really fun, fast-paced, frantic. It wasn't just your typical basketball game. It, like, re- revolutionized, you know, the different type, the different genre, if you will, the fun sports, as opposed to simulation sports. So. Well, if,
0: if we didn't have that, we would have never had Blitz. We wouldn't have a lot of, like you said, the fun sports games.
1: Well, let's give a big shout-out to our good friend, Brian F., Colon. colon uh for creating arch rivals which influenced nba jam oh yeah we would sure. if it wasn't
0: for brian f colin yep. we wouldn't have had uh, nba jam that's just exactly. definitely
1: and then on top of that snk releases samurai showdown so it's amazing like amazing what game. what a year just i mean we haven't even talked about the home consoles yet yeah what a year for the arcades in 1993 mm, i mean solid year solid year great variety of games you got racers you got fighters you got sports games And you'll see a trend as we continue the years, how Namco and Sega kind of were always trying to one-up each other, as you can see with Ridge Racer and uh, Daytona USA. Because uh, Sega... (coughs) Because Namco releases a fighting game later on, we'll talk about in another year, but took a bat against Virtual Fighter. Now, Deuce, there was uh, some... Now, Deuce, there was some... Before we get into the home consoles, there was some interesting things that were happening. Uh, There's a major controversy because Mortal Kombat, when it released in consoles, people were up in a frenzy about it because of the blood code. Yeah. That was, like, a huge thing. And what remembers remember all over, you know, like, C-SPAN and, and all these websites and everybody at the time when you could log into a website. But all over the news and the papers, people were outraged by Mortal Kombat. Remember when that... Well, I remember because, like... If you got it on Super Nintendo, it didn't have blood. Had it had
0: sweat. Yeah. So everything that was blood, they coated it white so it looked like sweat coming off them instead of blood. Um, and then Sega said, no, we're going to leave it the same, and it had the blood in it already. So like that was kind of a big like deferential. Now, my very humble opinion, I think it ran better on the Super Nintendo than it did. It is a smoother
1: frame rate. Yeah. I, I think it, it just the, the input... Uh, The latency, it was less latency. Well, they had a six button controller. That's true, which yeah. helped out a lot yeah. too,
0: because literally with the Sega Genesis, you had to buy a six-button Special, controller. Yeah, because
1: the original Genesis only, only had three, had three but- buttons. Yeah, that's so, true. It's a good point. You know. So a lot more uh, arcade purists prefer to play it on Super Nintendo. Oh yeah, and it just looked better. The, it sounded better. Sounded better because uh, you had that awesome Sony sound chip that was in the in the Super Nintendo. So oh. so that Sony made it that made that sound chip. Remember because they were going to be a thing yeah, at they one were going to merge at one exactly. point. Yes yes yes. yes. Yep. So, yeah, that was like one of the major events that happened that year because obviously, you know, every year we're going to highlight some major events that happened uh, in the year gaming. But this show wouldn't be our favorite show. This wouldn't be our favorite program without talking about... This wouldn't be our favorite program without talking about the home consoles and PC consoles that came out that year, the games.
0: Remember LucasArts? Yes, I do fondly. Very fondly. They
1: uh, rest in peace, Lucas Arts. They uh, they put out some amazing games in their time. They did, and they released in February of 1993. They released X Wing for the PC.
0: That was the first PC game I ever got.
1: Amazing game. Me too. I think it was one of my first ones. I think it was either that or Rebel Assault One. But like, I remember playing that, and I'm just like, my my mind exploded. You had the music. You had Darth Vader doing voice work. Like it was just insane. You, but it. Then, obviously, later on, they, they create the X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter series, but yeah. the fact that you were in an X-Wing pilot from the movies, it was revolutionary at the time. Like, and you
0: were doing missions from right. the movies and yep. stuff, and some missions of building gaps and holes in the movies.
1: Yeah, it was just fantastic. Uh, I, I remember like when when I first started playing it, I was like, I feel like I'm in the movies. I mean, in the cockpit, literally. You like sit there, and you get to see our, their perspective, and you feel like you're in the movies, and you're shooting down TIE Fighters, and I mean... Really, really neat.
0: Yeah, And also, correct me if I'm wrong, besides the Star Wars arcade games that were put out on the Atari system, I think this was the first home video game release besides those. I think so, yeah. Because it was before the Super Star Wars and Super Eternal Jedi, and I also think it was before uh, Rebels. all the full motion video ones, like Rebel Assault and Dark Forces and things like that.
1: Well, um, I think for me, it's like LucasArts really kind of, obviously... That was their, their niche. They wanted to take franchises that they were they were popular with, um, and also Indiana they were, Jones it, and Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, and they were also very famous for their point and click adventure games, yeah. you know, um, which Double Fine Studios pretty much came out of that. Tim Schafer helped design a lot of those games, but yeah, X Wing was. Awesome. Dope. And most PCs could run it too. It wasn't like yeah. technical crazy. Uh, most PCs at the time uh, could run it. Because remember, that was a thing, Deuce, where you had to look on the back of the box. No, if that you was a big thing.
0: Because that was the thing that got me out of PC gaming because it got to the point. in in the mid-90s, like, we bought a brand-new computer, and within three years, I couldn't play any games anymore because, like, we had to get a new sound card. We had to get a new video card. And that's, A, we didn't know how to install that because I was not that smart. And, two, it was not as easy to go to a computer it's not like nowadays where you can go to a computer store and they've got everything up on the walls. You buy what you want, you plug and play, you're good to go. It was a lot more complicated back then with the PCs.
1: Well, yeah. And also, you got to look at a two PC, you know, it was running a lot of the MS DOS. These are the MS DOS games. Yeah. Think about that for a second. People were like, what? What's MS DOS? I have no idea what that is. Uh, pretty much, your, it was another way to backdoor your way to get into games. And some games only ran on MS DOS. Uh, and, you know, command prompt and all that stuff. So it was really, really confusing. This is also before Windows 95 was out. So, wasn't yeah. PCs weren't as readily available as they as they were as they are now, as they were back then. And I think you were running Windows three point one, so it was still kind of a weird operating system. Macintosh was still around, but like this was Lucas saying, "Hey, we have a major property on PC," and I yeah. think this sold PCs for people.
0: Oh, it did. I yeah. think it, did. it sold it for me. Yep, that's the reason we got it. The reason I pushed for us to get a home PC was so I could play that.
1: Uh, February 21st, 1993 was the release of Star Fox for the Super Nintendo. That was wild, man. Included the Super FX chip, the very first game to have that. Remember how we were like, oh my God, 3D graphics on the Super Nintendo blew everyone's mind. Yeah. Like blew your brain holes, you like to say. Like I, I still, even today, I can't comprehend it. Like I understand that what it is, the chip there is allowing the extra extra, memory, extra RAM, and extra acceleration, and all that stuff. Like from a technical standpoint, I understand how it works, but it still blows my mind that they only released like four or five games that still had the the FX chip or whatever. But it was it was expensive to have. So I mean, you had to make sure that you were able to price the cart correctly. I, I think Star Fox when it came out. Uh, when I bought it, I, or I got it for Christmas because I only got games twice a year for yeah, my Christmas birthday. and birthday. Yeah, I think it was like seventy nine ninety nine because the FX like 80 chip. Bucks. Yeah, so
0: it was extra twenty bucks, but what thirty actually because yeah. games were still at that $50 price point, but it was weird with Nintendo because Nintendo would switch the price point on you quick because normally you'd go in and think, I'm going to buy this game for $50. Bucks. Sure. Like you went to go get a Chrono Trigger or something that they had to translate, it might be 70 bucks, 80 or Final Fantasy might be a $70, $80 game. So like that was the one that always, when I had my Super Nintendo, surprised me because sometimes I'd go in thinking, I'm going to buy this game, and I'm like... Ooh, no, I'm gonna have to wait another month or two and mow some more lawns so I can get the money to pay for this, because this isn't fifty like I thought, it's it's sixty.
1: Yeah, so it it also too, like some of the carts are heavier. Like if you look at like Killer Instinct or Doom, yeah. like they had to have extra parts put in there. Like yeah. you could actually feel how heavy the carts yeah. are. Like weight wise there's yeah. a difference. Exactly. Uh Nintendo also, late in the lifespan of... uh, Remember, at this time, this was when Nintendo had two consoles out at the same time. They had the NES and the Super Nintendo out. So, at the very tail end of the NES, Kirby's Adventure uh, came out, which is the second Kirby game. uh, The first one for the NES. And it introduced Kirby's ability to copy, which became like a staple of that series. And I remember playing that game, and it looked really pretty. I was like, "Wow!" If you go back and look at like the original games for NES, to look at like how pretty and colorful and how fast uh, Kirby's Adventure plays, yeah. awesome. And it introduced the Mennonite character too. Yeah. So I mean, I, obviously those no, I'm a huge Kirby fan.
0: I remember that game fondly because our good friend in the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce Legal Department that lived down the street from me got it for his birthday, and like a month after, he, for some reason, he wasn't digging it, and I'm like, dude, if you're not digging it, can I borrow it? And I must have borrowed that thing for three months. At one point, he's like, bro, am I ever getting this game back? And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. i just been loving it and playing it like crazy. I'll give it back to you tomorrow, but like, I kept it for a long time, because it was one of those games I could just pop in, and I'd play, and I'd turn around, I'd spent nine hours, like, and not even known it. Yeah, like...
1: Uh, oh, easily, yeah. I mean, it, it was... It was one of those is one of those games where, you know, it, it was easy to pick up and play, but you could also like learn little tricks and and all kinds of stuff to kind of figure out how to use the powers and and it was just a really great like platformer, like it just excellent game. Like when you go back and look at the history of the NES, the system and the console, yeah. it's definitely always on like the top 25 um games as well. I want to talk to you about a game that came out that I only got to play for a little bit. Um, I My parents wouldn't let me play it. It was a horror game that came out uh, called The Seventh Guest. Do you remember oh, yeah, that yeah, I do. It was a horror-based game, uh, which actually became... Uh, no- when you read this on Wikipedia, it's supposed to be a joke, but it, it was a killer app uh, for for CD-ROMs. It's what sold, out, what really made. It was like a proof of concept for CD-ROM games because if you think about it, we were still using the little, not the floppy, but the the, the A drive ones. Yeah, you know? the, the three the, the three point five millimeter. Yeah, yeah. So it
0: was first game that came in a disc, and I remember it was so popular they were bundling it with PCs mm-hmm. like when you got a PC you got a copy usually a mist
1: and then you got a copy
0: of 7 cuz it's the
1: same type of genre it's like a, 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 like a puzzle a puzzle game. solving game yeah, and the yeah. puzzles
0: were hard they were as super hard
1: but I remember just how scary it was and how like this the darkness like how dark it was and like the music and like my parents I had to go to a friend's house to play it and I remember being like staying up I'm like alright I'm gonna go back and play Super Mario Brothers but I came all mad at yeah. a palate cleanser if you will but that, that really sold CD-ROMs that really yeah. put it on the map and that's what made CD and then school started getting it remember like people were using it for educational and not 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 7th uh, guess, yes. but CD-ROMs yeah you yeah, getting yeah. those, and and it really took off. And CD-ROMs was was a format that lasted a long. It's still out technically. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a format that is standing the test of time. That yeah. you know, I still buy
0: CDs and stuff. And I remember like when the Philips CDI came out, and the th- I believe it was a 3DO or right. Magnavox had another one that was Magnavox one of the systems. Odyssey, yeah. And mm-hmm. I believe that was like the the game you got in the box was Seventh Guest. So
1: yeah, so that was a that game was just, and also it was in the game that was one of the more popular cross-platform because, you know, you had uh, Apple's Macintosh as well. So, it was like they were able to play all those games as well, as well as PC. And so, it, it, it for me, it was a game that, like, I didn't like it all that much. Maybe just because it was really, like, I, now I'm, like, like super seasoned into horror games. I love them. But back in the day, I was a little, a little bit of a wimp. I didn't, I was a little, you know, I couldn't play it for very long but it was just the pre-rendered 3D graphics just unbelievable yeah. at the time so uh but yeah 7th guest if you've not checked that game out uh i think maybe GOG good old um games ha- has it for available oh, I'm uh, sure. uh but yeah it's a fantastic game also, at the time, Nintendo was killing it, Deuce. Let's just talk about the 1993. <laughs> it was we a good talk, year to be Nintendo. good year to be Nintendo because, A, you're still selling NESs. You're yeah. selling your Super because NESs. Because they had
0: the, in 93, I think they had the top load model.
1: They did have the top they, load that model. That loaded
0: just like the Super Nintendo because right. near the end of the life cycle of the NES, originally it was the to- forever. It was the toaster, right? Right, the toaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the toaster. The front loading. The yeah. front loading, as, as we call them, yeah.
1: the toaster. The toaster. And yep.
0: then they made a model that looked. Pretty much exactly like the Super Nintendo, where it was top-loading, top loading, yeah. and you could put it in that way, which actually helped out a lot, because you didn't have all the connection issues, because you weren't pushing it in and down, Right, you were just pushing it in. Um, and I remember those coming out, because I almost wanted to buy one, but then the Super Nintendo was out, and I was like, well, why get another Nintendo when I can right. get a Super Nintendo? Well, I think
1: that's what hurt the sales of Kirby's Adventure, is because it came out so late in the life cycle of the NES. And so
0: many people were changing. That's you, the reason why... I just borrowed our our buddies from the happy hour with Johnny Deuce's Leo department because at the time I was saving like every cent I could get to get that Super Nintendo. Because if I remember, Craig, Super Nintendo was 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that was a lot of money in 90s dollars, especially when you're a kid and your only job pretty much is getting allowance and mowing neighbor's yards and stuff.
1: Yeah, so that was, uh, you know, so not only that, you had Game Boy still around the original yeah. Game Boy is still around hot and heavy yeah and that brings me to a game that really I'm personal opinion one of my favorite uh Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening for Game Boy. So it, was, it became one of the best-selling handheld games in in the history of the console. Uh, fantastic! The fact that you could bring Zelda on the go was mind blowing for people. People were yeah. like, "Oh my god! You can now not on the NES. Now you can play it. You know, on the Game on Boy. The yeah. So it is really great. Even with them, uh, how many? was six batteries, the Game Boy had something it had crazy. A ton.
0: I to be honestly, I never owned a Game Boy, but I was lucky enough. I got. I, I got it through. A, I got it either through a trade or I bought it off a friend secondhand. But I got a Super Game Boy, and then one of the girls that lived in our neighborhood actually got a Game Boy for Christmas, and she got that. And she did, for some reason she just didn't like RPGs, uh-huh. so I was like, "Well, if you don't want it, let me borrow it for a yeah. while." So then I put it in the Super Game Boy, and I played that thing start to finish, and that game was solid and long for a little handheld Absolutely. game. Yeah, you know?
1: yeah, like good twenty hours easily. Uh, And so you had. I mean, a you're going. It was a long game, but you're going through a lot of batteries. Yeah. Uh, And in this game, we're going to spend a little extra time on because it's a game that we both have a very fond appreciation for. Uh, It's actually in our happy hour studio right now. Uh, Super Mario All Stars was released for the Super Nintendo on July 14th, and just to give a quick recap, it wasn't just the ports of Mario 1, 2, and 3. It was remastered even from the ground up, like, re recoded. So yeah. it looked brighter, the music was updated, the, the games just looked different. Uh, and they, they played similarly, but they looked a little different. And it even included the Japanese version of Super Mario Brothers 2, which, uh, you know, lost we never got levels. The lost
0: levels. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: which is cool. So the uh, first time we got something outside of Japan for the first time. So that was yeah. really neat. Uh, talk about that That, well to me that was
0: just groundbreaking because you got to remember guys we didn't have people like our fine friends at retro game treasures that's been hooking us up with import games lately we didn't have easy access no. to import games, and at least for us here in the Polk County area, all we had was uh, we had a Babbage's in Lakeland, yep. and that was like the video game store outside of Walmart, because yep. I'd say 90% of the games I bought in the 90s, I got at Walmart, because that was the only place that carried video games locally that wasn't like you know an hour drive, but... Hey, Walmart's not carrying import games, and neither is a, a, a big retail chain. Like at that time, Babbages and Electronics Boutique were like what GameStop is to you guys today. Absolutely, they were the big video game stores, but they didn't mess with imports either. So to get something outside of Japan that we never had expensive. before was was expensive, but it was so rare. Like I mean, you got to understand, it was like finding the the holy grail or something like you're like oh my god because i mean we got some of the rpgs right over here but like there was because buck was telling me on our interview which go back and listen to our interviews with buck those episodes which you can find at soundcloud.com forward slash happy hour podcast show because he explains it a lot better than me but he was like i think we got like 1500 1500 super nintendo games in it's lifespan but the uh, Japanese one got like 5,000
1: or something Well, crazy. It's, it's reversed. So we had about 700 in the US and they had 1,500 in Japan. Oh. So they had double the amount of games that yeah. we got. And some games obviously were made for the market, j- the Japanese market, like with anime right. and stuff that America hadn't really caught on yet, yeah. the American, the, the anime market yet. So No,
0: the anime market wasn't here yet. So they got like the Dragon Ball Z Gundams and they got and the that. Gundams and yep. stuff that we so didn't they were get.
1: So they were getting shoot 'em ups and they were getting RPGs based on those games games that yeah. we had no idea what they were yet yeah. unless you were like a, a super like uh purist you know and you went back and you were in japan and you're able to get yeah. imports but even then you'd had to buy an imported you know famicom or yeah, super famicom it. to play it uh not like the amazing restaurant five that we have in our uh studio which was you.
0: given to us greatly by buck from retro game yes. treasure and the fine folks at hyperkin
1: yes so uh na- so, yeah, Super Mario All-Stars is a must-own if you have a yes. Super Nintendo. And if you can find it, the one I highly recommend is the
0: one that comes also with Super Mario World. Right. Because they did make a cart way later, and I'm sure we'll get to it when the year finally shows up, but they've got one with both. Highly recommend it. I think that cart's going for like 60 bucks. now or something. It's it, expensive because you had
1: to, it had to have extra slot in there as well as an extra spot for RAM and everything so it could can yeah. hold everything. But I'm just
0: saying if you go to like a mom-and-pop game store, I think it's running you around 60 Right now, but still, I mean, Super Mario World's running you thirty, and then Super Mario uh, All Stars running
1: you like thirty or forty. So it's a good deal. Excellent deal. Next game is a game that I've talked about since you and I have been friends, Deuce, uh, over 20 years. Uh, Square, Square, not Square Enix, I keep wanting to say Square Enix. Square releases Secret of Mana for yeah, Super Nintendo. That's uh, like
0: your, your holy grail one of games. Of the, you it's love always, that game.
1: It's always in like the top 50 RPGs of all time uh, and it was technically the second in its series, the first game in its series was released in Game Boy uh, in 1991, which I never have played. But, cool note for those, uh, I'm not sure when, you know, obviously when we tape these, or, they're different times. Yeah. But Nintendo is going to be releasing a uh, Secret of Mana uh, trilogy, which will, they'll be remastering the first. Uh, game Boy game uh, in HD, and then they're also going to release the the second Secret of Mana game when we never got here in the US. So and Is that going to be for Switch? That's going to be for the Switch, so that's going to be awesome. Uh,
0: Great for you guys at home to
1: pick yep. up. Definitely check that out. Uh, also, Sega, um, you know, at the time, Sega was doing their arcades, but they also had their, uh, Sega, their uh, Sega CD. Um, yeah. attachment, which for those at home, kind of you own a Sega CD. I do. Tell, tell the folks at home, what, what is the Sega CD? Okay. Sega
0: decided in all their grand wisdom, which we use jokingly, to instead of making a new system, let's basically get an add-on to your Sega Genesis that will cost you like 200 bucks. So basically with mine... It sits underneath and to the side, and you have to slide it in, and it kind of plugs in. It. It's like Voltron. It's probably the best way <laughs> yeah. to a- explain it. Sure. Like, you combine the two, and it makes it more powerful, yeah. and it makes it to where you can run the Sega CD games, which I love. But the great thing I found out is, like, prime example, I have NBA Jam, which I got from Retro Game Treasures, and also a uh, Mortal Kombat. The Sega CD one runs better than the cart version does because it's got more RAM and better sound, and it's got more oomph, more power. Right, you can hold more on a disc, and you can exactly, and it just runs a lot smoother than the than the cart versions do.
1: Well, and that was also the year that Sega released because they had to have a big IP. They released Sonic CD. Uh, for the for the Sega CD as yeah. well, which uh, was the first time that they introduced the Amy Rose and Metal Sonic characters into the into the game now do you have you played Sonic CD? I have not. I don't think I have. I don't think I've gotten that one yet. I've gotten I've gotten quite a
0: few, and I've got some that I absolutely love, especially the full motion video games, kind of right. like your seventh guess. Because yeah. that was a big thing with Sega CD was getting either computer games and kind of porting them over, or making full motion video. Because you got to remember, like the early to mid nineties, full motion video was hot. Like, that was a hotness. We thought that was going to be the future of gaming. It was going to be, like, oh, absolutely. a cross between video games and movies. With yeah. And uh, Sega C did, did that a lot. I they mean, sure did. With yeah. everything from Sewer Shark to um, just across the board, they got a ton of them that had the full motion video included. Absolutely.
1: About Sega, Sega did a lot of things this year. They, they were on a roll. They were experimenting a lot. They did stuff with the Sega CD. They had stuff going on in the arcade. So Sega was trying to make... Still continue, even though Nintendo was owning it in every category, they were just yeah. owning it. And Sega wanted to keep it going, you know. Yeah. And uh, so another game that came out, uh, Lucas Arts came out with a game called Sam and Max Hit the Road. Yes, uh, that was an amazing, a, game. fantastic game. Uh, another Still holds up. now a, a great point-and-click adventure game. And like I said earlier, Lucas Arts was known for putting out stellar titles. Uh, here's one that we're going to have a little bit of a, a discussion on, which. I think you'll know what I mean when I talk about uh, games, uh, licensed games, movie games. Uh, Disney's Aladdin for Genesis came out that year and was voted the best game in 1993 by Electronics Game Monthly. Now, what, what happened with that game, Deuce?
0: It was hard as balls. It for was very war.
1: hard, but they re- it was they released a version for Super Nintendo and they released a version for but the they Genesis. They were do-
0: both totally different. Yep. They were night and day different. It wasn't
1: like it was just like a little port over. Yeah. It was like totally different way you played the game. They had extra stuff with the Genie and all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it was also when licensed games didn't suck, like they were really fun to play, yeah. Were, like, this
0: was back when licensed games were actually fun, yeah. Before we got to the mid 2000s, where it was every summer blockbuster had a video game
1: and they were wretched, yeah. so awful. But, uh, but yeah, the Aladdin games were great, great music, just fun platforming games, uh, really, really great, also. I didn't realize it came out this year it came out in the same year man what a year for gaming we keep saying that every segment I but I mean seems so like every year has like these seminal games and you're just like oh my gosh uh, these these kind of groundbreaking and yeah. it seems like you know that's what's so great about this industry is you're, you're putting out every year the technology is improving and you're putting out these solid solid amazing games id software releases doom uh, for the very first time uh, yeah. on, on the computer
0: revolutionized uh, shooters
1: it amazing games uh, our good friend Mike Mike's a huge fan of the series yeah. uh, and they're still making games I mean it, mm-hmm. the, you, the last game was really great it was awesome I loved it but I mean Doom I remember just hearing the sounds like it comes back to me running around and like that was the thing where you couldn't really move your gun you were just kind of moving forward back you know left and forward, right
0: forward back left and right like you didn't have to aim up or down right. you just had to be but facing just, the target just hearing
1: like the the, the, the sh- this the sound of the shotgun and the oh you know, that, and, and, the, and, stuff the, like,
0: and the, it, the, the the locking and loading and the pumping (laughs) and then the doors opening
1: the
0: like the sound effects I can hear hear in in (laughs) my head like perfectly all the original sound effects and that became guys you gotta understand that game became the first game in my mind that was on everything like first it was on what did you say what system it dropped on
1: it dropped on the uh, PC PC first first, but then they made a Super
0: Nintendo version they made a 32x version. version yep. Then they made one for the Jaguar. Yep. Then they made one for like every system that Macintosh came out. Macintosh got one too. Yeah, it was like every system that came out got a version of Doom because it was so damn popular.
1: Yeah, so it was, you know th- that that game like revolutionized all the first person shooters. That oh, I mean, sure. it was pretty much the. F- the original first person shooter if you will yeah, uh, I mean I know Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein 3D before, had come out before but, this but only a
0: handful of people played it but right. once Doom came out like I don't know anybody who had a computer that, that didn't have Doom
1: yeah and I, you know, I went on to influence Quake and all these other amazing game series uh, you know that changed the way we look at games now yeah.
0: especially because it, it introduced a whole new genre that we didn't have before of the first person shooter without it we wouldn't have your Call of Duties we wouldn't
1: have Halo also have... think about it, it it also started to show that you know PC games were a little bit more affordable because they yeah. were on CD-ROMs and yeah. they weren't as expensive as the carts no. so people were like hey Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Doom Super Nintendo cost more than the PC version because it was on the cart.
0: Yeah, I think it was like 60 or 70 bucks because mm-hmm. I remember it was a red cart, which it was. was new. Yeah. Um, but when it came out on the PC, it was $50 like most all other games are. And I, I remember, hell, I even remember what the box looked like. Clear as day in my
1: head. So, uh, Also, just to talk about... Um Sorry, brain fart. Oh, you're right it, it the notes down here so you 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 kind of predicted the the future here it, it talks about the gen two of the nes being released the same year so you're right so we already yeah. talked about that uh so yeah when it comes to games i mean what a what amazing fantastic year for video games and also i would be remiss if i didn't talk about other companies that tried to get into the gaming market that year as well uh panasonic came out um with our 3DO, the very first version of the 3DO and it was what seven hundred bucks, six hundred bucks. Super expensive. It was super expensive. There was some really cool like games that... They, they Need have, for
0: Speed, Need for Speed, and all uh, that. Now was that the one that got the the Link game and the Mario game, the Mario's Hotel, or am I thinking of the Philips CDI? Philips CDI got that okay. one because I know a buddy. Again, our buddy from the Happy Hour Johnny Deuce Legal Department, his brother bought one, had it for like a year didn't like it and then gave it to him. So we'd go down there and play and We played Need for Speed and we had like some sort of helicopter game because I remember one day we played Need for Speed so long we missed the bus. <laughs> so me and him skipped school that day. We we're like, well, we already missed the bus. So That's funny. we ended up staying there and his mom came home at like two or three and he's like, what are you guys doing? Did you not go to school today? And I'm like, well, we missed the bus. So we just decided we stay home. So we might have gotten in a hair or more than a hair probably of trouble for skipping school but it wasn't we it, it wasn't intentional <laughs> so
1: but what do you think overall like I, I feel like a lot of companies that you're trying to experiment um, another another company you mentioned earlier Jaguar Atari released uh, the Jaguar their very first quote unquote 64 bit I put that in yeah, yeah because it had
0: two 32 bit right. chips so they right. called it 64 I actually owned one twice okay um we had in Orlando a place called Game Traders, and it was the first place ever that I knew of where you could bring in games and trade them in because it wasn't like the you know the video game stores now where, every, heck, even Best Buy does trade-ins now. Not everybody did trade in, so it was really rare. And I traded in a bunch of games, and I, I, unbeknownst to me, it was getting to be the end of the life cycle by the time I bought it. Like I think if they hadn't discontinued it, it was on the horizon, they knew, so they had it at the game store cheap, and I'm like... I want a Jaguar. So I got it and I got Doom and I got Alien versus Predator, which is hands down the best game they ever put out for. It. And in my opinion, hands down, I think the best Alien Predator game, because you got to play as the alien, you Absolutely. got to play as yeah. the Marine and you got to play as the Predator. But what I loved is you had, if I remember correctly, either, Two or three buttons at the top you had your your up down left right button, and then you had like nine numbers down at the bottom, almost like a a, a telephone and that's how you'd switch your guns. But it actually, the Alien versus Predator came with a little plate that you would slip over it. And it would tell you what, like, number one is your pistol. Number two is your shotgun. Number three is your pulse rifle. And then you could take it out and then put in the Predator one. It's like, this button is your your disc. This button is your spear. This button is your shoulder laser. And you'd switch it out. And you put in the Alien one and it'd say, this is your bite. This is your slash. Right. This is your tail. And it was something, the first time I'd ever seen that the company sent something in the package that you put on your control controller that would tell you which button did what right. and that was to me was like wow this is groundbreaking right. even though it was super you know well, cheesy
1: it, it's funny because Sega CD still was the out it didn't have a, a huge lifespan, but it did put out a few yeah. games. It lasted longer than... I think it put out like 100 or maybe yeah, 200. So it, did, so it did better than the Jaguar and the uh, 3DO. Because yeah. for those that don't remember, the 3DO actually... Uh, other companies made a 3DO. It wasn't yeah. just Panasonic, but Panasonic was the first one to to bring it out. Gold Star and Sanyo made a version as well. Yeah. Uh, but I remember like when that came out, like they had a display at uh, EB. And I was just like... God, baseball looks so good. I am mean, that's the first yeah. thing they had as a demo. They had baseball playing on it. And I'm like, like. And me it, and you were pretty big baseball fans. i was like, so, yeah. holy crap. This yeah, because it looked so realistic. It looked so good. And the at players the... looked
0: like true to life. I think that might have been one of the first few games where they actually got the players and the tried to make them. The stances and stuff. Yeah. yeah, The stances, and not even that, like, the King Griffey Jr. looked like King Griffey Jr. He did, like, yeah. They made the players it, look it, like it, the was real am- players. It, it was an
1: amazing, like, showcase yeah. for, like, from a technical aspect. Uh, but yeah, so, like, it's funny to see the companies that come out and try to get into the gaming industry, and and see you know everyone try to get in because it was yeah. a popular industry to get into. I yeah. uh, also want to talk about hit hit some lightning round a few ga- a few yeah. games uh, that that pretty much Super Nintendo at Capcom because one thing I forgot to mention was that. The main reason that the Aladdin game was uh, so different was because it was made by two different companies. Yeah. Virgin Games made it for uh, for the Genesis. and Capcom made the Aladdin game for Super Nintendo. Nintendo. So Capcom... This was like year of the Capcom. Capcom put out a bunch of games this year. Uh, they also, they did uh, DuckTales 2. They did Chippendale yeah. Rescue Rangers 2. They were putting out a bunch of games. Also, I thought it was interesting because I don't know if... I think you played it. It was the first time that we saw two major... Uh, Licenses put together in one game. Remember Battletoads and Double Dragon?
0: Yes, because that blew my mind, kids. You got to understand, for us, that was like the first Avengers movie. It was was like, holy cow. (laughs) Like, you've got Battletoads, which was this huge franchise, and, and Double Dragon, which was a huge franchise, and they put them both together, and you're like, what is this? Yes. Like, it really, it blew your mind as a kid because it, it, video games never crossed over back then. No. Like, it's not like today where you got Super Smash Brothers with all these different characters. Right. And it's not like today where you've got, like, Marvel vs. Capcom. Like, this is the first time we had anything like that. So, it... The best way I can describe it is like the first Avengers movie, where you're like, "Wow!"
1: Remember, remember when I said that there's a lot of bad license games that came yeah. out. Well, another game came out called Cool Spot. Remember Cool Spot? I the do seven remember up Cool Spot,
0: and I had it. And it, 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 I can't remember. It wasn't Back rap, but it was like another game that used dominoes, and they just changed it out with like the Cool Spot. It wasn't like a platformer or anything. Right. It was just like this other generic game but they just used the cool spot it was almost as bad as the yo noid game
1: oh yeah the the dominoes i don't the think domino's. people even know who we're talking about yeah right? Domino's
0: had a character for a while co- called the noid and it was avoid the noid was the slogan <laughs> to sell domino's pizza and yeah. like somebody thought you know it'd be great if we made a noid video game
1: and it was a platformer and it was the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen it's also interesting too to note like there was a lot of sports games that came out this year. A lot of people like Bill Walsh had a basketball game yeah. that came out. ESPN decided to do a baseball game the same year. Like, and a lot of, as I'm looking through the list, FIFA, it was the first yeah. year for FIFA. Wow. Uh, so that was kind of neat. Uh, but it's just like, there's so many games that were experimental. Uh, there are a lot of bad licensed games. I'm looking at the Flintstones game. That, uh, I don't even. I think that was based off the movie, was it? No,
0: it was based off the
1: original the cartoon. Original because it was I actually played that game. They had a movie once, it was, too, they, right? I,
0: I, they probably did. But I actually, to be honest with you, I love the Flintstones game. It was, it was a was cool good. little platformer. Um, you played, if I remember correctly, you played different characters, different levels. Like, you would play Fred one level, then the next level, you might play Bam Bam and hit things with your, with your big, you know. Club, if I remember correctly, because they made two of them. They made that one, and then they made one that was Flintstones and Jetsons. Right. Um,
1: oh, that's right. They did do that. I forgot about yeah, that.
0: Yeah, where the little, I can't remember what his name is, the little green character that showed up in both cartoons. It was like, oh, from the future. I just, you know oh, what I'm talking about? Oh, I know exactly about? who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, like he was like the villain in the second game, and that's what brought the two together. Right. So, like you'd be the Jetsons in the past, yep. uh, and then you'd be like the Flintstones in the future. It was, it was a fun little platformer.
1: Uh, platformers were big this year. Also, a a lot of, you know, a lot of Disney games, like we said, Aladdin, Jungle Book had a game too. uh, And, which was really hard, but that game was hard yeah. as hell. But also, biggest movie of the year was Jurassic Park. So yeah. Jurassic Park released on everything. Sega CD, uh, Genesis, Super they Nintendo. Were all different they were games, all different kids. Games. Because, that was really cool. Uh, Super Nintendo was basically, when
0: you were running around the world, it was top down. Yeah, and then it was like a, it was, with a shooter. It was like no, a shooter. No, 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 that was when you went inside. That's when you went inside, that's Yeah, right. when you were yeah. outside, it was kind of like a, a shoot 'em em up uh, but you'd be moving around, like, not... Kind of top down, like
1: Splatterhouse, kind of,
0: kind of, and you
1: you would move around, but you would
0: have to go from like the visitor center to this electrical station over here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it was one of the first games I remember. Where you use both the controller and you could use the mouse. Mouse
1: from Mario Paint. Because yeah.
0: when you went inside a building, it became like Doom, like a first-person shooter. Right. And then you could switch over and use the mouse. I
1: think I liked the Genesis one the, the Genesis one, Genesis the best. one was better because you could you play played, as a raptor. I know. You could be a dinosaur. Yeah. It's the coolest it, it, thing ever. Greatest,
0: I'm like, what? I'm a raptor and I'm eating people to get more health? Well, this is the greatest game ever.
1: Yeah. And also, there was a lot of games that came out that tried to copy... Like the success, so yeah, obviously yeah. you know Street Fighter and all that. But remember Clay Fighter,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Clay Fighter.
0: I actually like Clay Fighter, but yeah, it was it was it was funny because the game was all stop motion animated. It was, and then yeah. it was put into the cart. Uh, with the stop motion animation, and it was a fun little fighter, and I liked it because each character could play completely different, had different, you know, special moves and everything. It was a fun little game, but when you look at it, it looks totally goofy. But then when you play it, it's actually a lot of fun.
1: Also, like Sega and Nintendo were were battling with each other. Yeah. Uh, they also. Uh, NFL quarterback club came out the same year as Joe Montana football yeah. came out. And Joe Montana football was Sega, I think, yeah. if, I remember, if I remember serves. Yeah. And I remember people just going back and forth, like, oh, you can play Joe. It was like one of the very first, like, other than Madden, uh, I think it was one of the very first, like, you actually ha- got to play as, like, an actual character, you know, a yeah. real person in a game.
0: Yeah, that, and it had all the real teams and everything, because both games were That's made. That's right, NFL Players Association. It, yeah, exactly. So you actually weren't playing, like, you know, the the Philadelphia Thunder or something. You were playing as the Philadelphia Eagles, you know.
1: yeah. So, it, a lot, lots of amazing games came out that year. Like we said, I mean, just arcades alone. I mean, like as, yeah. I mean, Sega and Namco and uh, SNK, they were all like just battling it back and forth.
0: Because where are we at? Like the forty-five minute mark? Yeah, we're doing good. Yeah,
1: we're doing good. I'm just saying there's any other biggie. Yeah. The big one crunch. Oh, okay. So uh, it's funny, when we think of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Super Nintendo, we usually think of Turtles in Time. time. But they also made another game called Tournament Fighters. Do you remember that game? I do. I actually own it. Oh, you do? That's right.
0: For Genesis, right? I've got it for Genesis, which I actually have a six button controller, so it makes it easier. But that game is hard as hell. Super hard. It's like really hard. And it was hilarious because, like, each. Each different character It's almost like A Mortal Kombat Each character Has their own special moves Right And none of the Turtle special moves Like match up Casey Jones's Are completely different and, But then you could also Play as like Shredder And you right. can play as like Two or three of the different villains, like I think the crocodile guy, you can play it. Like there's a couple different this villains really you can strange. play for. Yeah, like it was weird. Like did ma- you
1: have like finishers too? Like you could do like finishers. I or something? think you could do like finishers bunch of combos. Yeah. yeah,
0: and stuff like that. So I mean, it was a fighting game, and like. I'm not going to lie. From an art standpoint, it looks great. And, like, the backgrounds are really cool. Like, you play in Dimension X or you play in the Drome or Technodrome, I'm sorry. And, like, there's all these different – or you play, like, in the sewer, you know, like
1: – I think a lot of people were trying to capitalize off Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter success. Well, that's what happened. Once
0: Mortal Kombat blew up and Street Fighter blew up, everybody's like, oh, we can make a fighting game. And then we found out really quick, no, not everybody can make a fighting game. No. Even with the great licenses, Turtles, you would think with a license like Turtles – that is, especially in the early 90s, was a license to print money. But right. then the game came out, and everyone was like, none really. Mm, not very good. So, yeah. I think they would have been smarter to put it out in the arcades first. Oh, and true. And build be- hype. And build hype. And then also, with the arcade, you could have made it, like, you'd had everybody's moves on the cabinet, so it would have oh, been easy. Think yeah. about it. Like, when you played Street Fighter Two, everybody's special moves was, like, listed on the cabinet. So you could read yep. it. You didn't have to... Tr- go and try and find it somewhere like in a magazine that's true that's a good point point. and i think that would have been better plus it would have had more power so it would have looked better and, and they could
1: have tweaked it for the home console yeah, release and too. then
0: once it had gotten some hype going there because turtles was making bank in the arcades it- turtles was making bank everywhere yep. so i think if they had done that and then moved it to the home console i think it would have been a night and day difference on on
1: the sales numbers exactly so Deuce that's our year in gaming 1993 yes, uh, we want to thank everyone that's been listening to this video game retrospective series it, I mean the episodes have speak for themselves people yeah. have really been digging them uh, obviously we're going to go from the 90s to 2000 then maybe go backwards and forwards but yeah. we're going to do at least a decade uh, and uh, go to a different decade after that but yeah. we just, if you have any comments what was your favorite games from 1993 please send us a line hhpodcastshow at gmail.com also Remember, we're not only on SoundCloud. We're also on iTunes. We're on Stitcher, Google Play Music. Uh, so you definitely go check us out on your podcast service of choice. And when you're talking about the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce, there's not one, not two, but three hashtags you want to put in your social media. That's hashtag happy hour podcast, hashtag HH podcast show, and hashtag Deuce, Deuce is on the loose. Later. See you.